This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, everybody, and welcome to your latest Blood Red podcast. I'm your host, Sam Carroll, and I'm joined by Connor Dunn, Paul Gorst, and on the phone, James Pierce, who will be at Anfield tonight uh, for Liverpool's Champions League semi-final second leg against Barcelona with a trail 3-0. James, you were at Jürgen Klopp's press conference uh, yesterday. What, what was the impression you got of, of Jürgen's mood ahead of this one? Yeah, very different to, to what he's usually like. I mean, he's usually the absolute eternal optimist, isn't he? And, you know, I, I think it was it was telling that there was a heavy dose of realism to his, his words at Anfield on Monday. I think, you know, he, he didn't want to, you know, there was no kind of defiant talk or, or warnings to Barcelona about how different it's going to be at Anfield. Because I think, you know, he, he, I think he, he said it himself, you know, I don't want to say anything that will make Mr Valverde's job any easier. He said, you know, it's hard enough with the fact we're 3-0 down from the first leg and we've lost Keita, we've lost Salah, we've lost Firmino. Um, then when you throw into the mix as well, the fact that Valverde was able to make 11 changes <laughs> on the weekend, Liverpool had an absolutely energy-sapping, dramatic win up at Newcastle. Um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 odds, the odds are well and truly stacked against them. And... Now, obviously, as you mentioned, their first question yesterday, obviously, to Klopp was about Salah and Firmino, and both ruled out. It seems like Rian Brewster could be could be set to be included in the squad. How highly do Liverpool and Klopp rate him? And do you think we'll we'll see him on the pitch tonight? Yeah, I think there's a very very high chance that he'll he'll come on the, come off the bench tonight. I don't I don't think he'll start. I know there's been some suggestions that he'll be in the starting lineup. I think I'd, I'd be very surprised if he if he was. I mean, he's you know he is incredibly highly rated, but you also have to factor in the fact that he's only actually had two competitive runouts at, uh, for the under 23s this season. You know he was he was out for 14 months with with ankle and, and knee problems that both needed surgery. Um, and it's been a long, long journey to get back for him. I think in terms of how highly Klopp rates him, I think you only had to look at you know in, in the aftermath of he suffered that horrible injury playing for the 23s against Man City in, in January 2018. You know, Klopp basically said straight away after that, right? You know, you're not going to the academy. You're going to be based at Melwood from now on. All of your rehab's going to be here. You're going to be part of the senior setup, and that was obviously a huge boost for for the youngster to to hear that. And you know, and I think part of that convinced him to to sign his contract because, as people will remember, towards the kind of the back end of last season, there was a lot of talk about you know him potentially moving on. There was. A lot of interest from, especially Germany. I think uh, Munch and Gladbach were, were very, very keen on him, trying to entice him away, as as German clubs have done with a few talented young English players. But you know, Klopp, you know, gave him the, the big sell in terms of, you know, you are going to be part of my plans. You know, you need to stay here, and you're in the best possible place for your development. And then, you know, I think the fact that that Klopp has put him in the squad tonight, of course, circumstances have kind of forced his hand somewhat with, with the loss of Salah and. Firmino, but um, you know, Klopp, Klopp rates him in incredibly highly. Um, and as he said in his quotes in the Echo today, that um, you know we'll be seeing a lot more of Ryan Brewster next season. And so, if you put yourself in Jurgen Klopp's shoes for tonight, James, what's your midfield and, and attacking? We're assuming Klopp will still go with two banks of three. Who 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 do you think he should plump forward in in the absence of uh, Firmino and Salah? Do you know, I'd, I'd quite like to see him reward the, the two players that combined for that for that winning goal up at Newcastle on, on Saturday night. I think um, you know it, it's, it is going to be incredibly hard. You know, you know, 
I know Liverpool have pulled off absolute miracles in Europe before, and I think if they could do it tonight, it would it would stand up there with with anything they've ever achieved in Europe previously. I think in terms of the front line, I think I'd, yeah, I'd go with I'd go with Origi um, and Shakiri up with uh, Sadio Mane, yeah, and then probably a, a midfield three of, um, of Fabino Henderson. Um, and then probably a toss up between either Milner and Wijnaldum for that for that final spot. Um, but you know, he does. I, I suppose the, the other one that maybe come into your thoughts would be would be Oxlade Chamberlain. Um, but you know, the fact he didn't train properly yesterday, and um, and also the fact that he has had you know very little match action. I, I wonder whether he might be better suited to a, another cameo role. And do you think it's a it's a strange mood around Anfield tonight? Obviously, you know, an early goal would would probably get get the crowd going. But do you expect there to be a to be a proper Anfield European atmosphere ahead of kickoff, or do you think it might be slightly subdued by the by the three goals? No, no, I think I think the place will be absolutely rocking. I, I think I think there will be a real mood of, of defiance and, and hostility towards Barcelona from from the off. I think the the you know the, the the absolutely crucial thing for Liverpool is to score the first goal, and I don't even think it matters whether that comes in the the first fifteen minutes or after an hour. You know, I think if Liverpool won the up after an hour, I think that would be a fantastic position to be in. There's no need to to, to, to go absolutely hell for leather and think they've got to try and claw back that deficit within within twenty minutes. I think you you just want to start on the front foot and, and ensure because the crowd will be rocking, and then it's down to the players. You know, to, to try and maintain, you know, to, to feed off that energy from the stands and, and, and really give the fans something to something to shout about. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't think there'll be any kind of despondency or anything like that. Obviously, you know, there's it, been a few body blows, hasn't there? With obviously what happened in the first leg, the scoreline being incredibly cruel, and then the injuries that Liverpool have suffered since then, and then you know another slug in the guts watching watching Vincent Company bang that one into the top corner last night. Um, but no, I think I think most Liverpool fans will completely agree with what Klopp yet said yesterday in terms of let's make it a celebration. You know, it's been an absolutely yeah. unbelievable season. Um, they've got two, you know, massive home games where there's still a huge amount at stake. And you know, he said, you know, the fans will give absolutely everything and it's down to the players to ensure that they, they match that. And just to finish before you leave us, James, on that game at the Etihad last night, I mean, 97 points and centre-backs are kind of strolling forward and scoring goals like that. It just kind of feels, what what more could Liverpool have done this season to get any closer to, to winning that Premier League title? Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think Klopp said himself a few weeks ago, didn't he? He said, you know, if, if, if we fall short, he said, you know, I think his description was there will be some idiots who will tell me a draw against Leicester cost us the title, but um, you know it's, you, you can't criticise this Liverpool team. It's you know the, if 97 points doesn't prove to be enough, which it, you know sadly it's looking increasingly likely it won't be. You know that, that's an unbelievable achievement in itself. They just they're up against an absolutely formidable opponent. You know the the, the most relentless team has been in in certainly Premier League history. Um, and there can't be there can't be regrets because this Liverpool team has, has, has been absolutely exceptional all the way through the season. You know it's not over yet. Um, you know you, you kind of do when when you see. You know, I saw 
on Sky earlier on, they were saying the company, company, company's last shot from outside the area in the Premier League was six years ago. <laughs> and, and, they sh- and they showed it, and it was like a little daisy cutter from 20 yards that, <laughs> that, that even you would have kept out, Sam. And, uh, and then, so, so then when you, then you, you see him nail one into the top corner like he did last night, you kind of think, maybe it's just not meant to be this season, but... You know, this, this Guardiola's comments last night were a bit ridiculous. This idea that, that City are the plucky underdogs and all the rest of it. When um, you know, when you look at the obscene amount of money that they've spent, and you know, the fact there's only one of these two title contenders that's currently being investigated for breaking financial fair play rules by what was it, FIFA, UEFA, the FA, and the Premier League. So. Um, I don't think don't go along with what he had to say, but no, this this Liverpool team can hold their heads high, regardless of, of what happens this week. You know, if, if it doesn't, if we don't get the miracle at Anfield tonight, and if we don't get the uh, the, the dramatic late twist in the title race on the weekend and a favour off Brighton, then you know there there'll, there'll still be great scenes at Anfield after that final whistle on Sunday, because I think everyone there will want to show their appreciation for what for what this team has given them and the memories they provided over the last nine months. Well, James, thank you very much for joining us. And everyone, you can keep up to date with James, Annie and Doyle at Anfield tonight. James, we'll speak to you soon. Cheers, guys. Cheers, James. Bye. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Ah, Blood Red Podcast continues with just me and Paul Gorst and and Connor Dunn. Just to pick up on what James said there, Connor, about uh, Pep Guardiola's comments, do you think they kind of give off the... Guardiola's definitely worried about this Liverpool team. Yeah, without, without a shadow of a doubt. You know, he said earlier this season, didn't he, when he saw Liverpool score a late goal, he used a bit of an expletive to be hard. Oh, they're not going away. That old oh, shoot. <laughs> Sugar. <laughs> yeah. We, um, lock, we lock a bleep that. <laughs> <laughs> Which obviously, you know, makes a massive statement of how he's feeling in a game when Liverpool scored their 86th minute winner against Newcastle. Pep Guardiola should have had a very similar feeling. And then to obviously come out last night and make all these claims about how Liverpool have had it easy. And they've clearly been on his mind. And they are still going to be in that final day. And I, I don't doubt that, you know, they're going to have to go absolutely hell for Lever at Brighton to try and win in the expectation that Liverpool are also going to win at Wolves as well. And that's obviously why this season feels so different, Paul, to, you know, that, that memorable campaign under Brendan Rodgers, you know, when Luis Suarez and... Raheem Sterling, like nearly fired Liverpool to, to that title. As, as Jürgen Klopp keeps pointing out, this isn't the last time, this is the first time for this team, isn't it? It is. You look at the, the continued progression on the Klopp since he came in, in in October 2015 and it's just steadily getting better and better, isn't it? And I don't think too many people would have predicted Liverpool to have gone on and collected 97 points. When they, they, they were beaten last year in the Champions League final, there was... It was obviously, it was a disappointing night, but there was... Um, Plenty of people feeling that this Liverpool team had more in them, but I don't think a lot of people would have predicted the uh, the speed of the progress um, in in less than a year. But um, I think I think now looking at it, Liverpool are going to be sticking around for for the foreseeable. And, and as Connor says, it's one of those things where Guardiola knows it. Um, he said recently that neither Barcelona's treble winning team of 2015 and this Liverpool team are the two best teams that he's ever come up against in his managerial career. And you think of some of the some of the rivalries had is obviously Real Madrid and Dortmund when he was at Bayern Munich and, and even now in all the teams who are in the Premier League. That's some compliment to Klopp's Liverpool. So yeah, they'll be sticking around and um, it's a bit of a weird one at the moment because Liverpool are in the, the final week of the season in the Champions League semi-final, could feasibly win the Premier League on Sunday and there's still a sense of what might have been and 
almost like it, it there's not that celebratory feeling that perhaps should be there but um Liverpool, this Liverpool team are going to be sticking around and, and they'll be back in the thick of the action again next next season no doubt even if they, they don't win it on Sunday yeah I was going to say as well I think no matter what happens you know there obviously is this feeling but it could be the best week ever to be a Liverpool fan it could yeah. be terribly but whatever happens Liverpool are in such a good position this summer to go and build on what they've got they don't need to spend massive money they don't need to bring in great players because they ha- have such an incredible 11 already of you know some really great squad players as well who have obviously proved themselves this season with cameos off the bench and you just got to think that going forward into next season you don't get 97 points with a fluke um, and they're going to be there again and obviously we asked James Connor just to quickly go back to tonight's game. You're you're going to be in Anfield as well. James named it as kind of you're happy with. Would you be happy if Origi, Shakiri, and Manny started up front? Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. To be honest, I think that that's the expected front three. I think that probably should be the front three. I maybe would make a case for Sturridge to play through the middle with Origi out on the right and Manny on the left, um, just for Sturridge maybe to end his. Anfield career of a bit of a flourish you know he can produce stunning goals like he did Chelsea earlier this season if he could just produce another moment of magic then yeah he might get the selection ahead of Shaqiri for me Do you agree with that Paul? Uh, I'd, I'd agree with, with uh, Shaqiri on the right Origi on the left and, and Mane central um, which hasn't scored since September as Connor says he, he has got moments of brilliance in him and I thought he did quite well against Newcastle but he, uh, he seems to be more effective when he was a bit withdrawn, picking passes for the runners a little bit further forward. Maybe a number 10 role for him as, as his career sort of moves into its latter stages. But I think um, we might see him off the bench and it'll be a bit of a, a send-off for him because, he, as it's likely, he's not going to be getting a contract renewal. Um, but I think that'll be the front three for me. Mane central, Rigi on the left and, and Shaqiri on the right. And what, what kind of feeling are you going into this week? With Connor, you know, Liverpool and Liverpool fans have got used to winning and, and definitely not losing this season. And, and then you have that Barcelona result. You know, I think we all started getting our hopes up a little bit towards the second half of, of that Manchester City game. last night. Are, are you prepared for the worst now? Or is there still that little party deep down, that little voice of hope? There's always a part of me with Liverpool that thinks they're going to do it. Just history proves and nights at Anfield prove, Champions League nights prove that it's always something to be excited. There's always that glimmer of hope. And I think Liverpool have proved time and time again this season that they don't give up themselves until the very, very nth hour. And so why should we as fans? Yeah, of course, I'm super excited. But I think even at the same time, if nothing comes off, if we lose both these games, if we don't win the Premier League, if we go out of the Champions League, I, I'm personally... I think Liverpool have come such a long way, as Corsi said earlier, under Klopp. And I think it's been a sensational rise this season, even compared to where we were last season. And I'm just so grateful to have been able to watch this team and to have this team built and be able to you know, appreciate how good they've been and how good they're going to continue to be. And yeah, and that is why I don't think I'm too downhearted. I know people have said that it's a bit, a bit like your favourite fighter almost giving his best fight, but and then losing maybe the last round. But I don't quite think it's like that, just in terms of how this Liverpool team are. They've got players that in, in their peak of their career, essentially. They're not coming towards the end of it. The, the main, you know, the main big five in the team, you know, Firmino, Salamane, Van Dijk, Alisson, they're all there. They're all ready to play and they're going to be in tip-top form next season again. So I'm just really excited and really appreciative to have seen it. What kind of atmosphere and reception do you think will be on offer for Felipe Coutinho and Luis Suarez tonight, Paul? It depends. <laughs> depends who you listen Philippe? to. Phil, Phil, Phil Coutinho. Depends who you uh, listen Phil? to. I like. I, I seen loads of people yesterday saying um, 
responding to the, I think Klopp said something. Oh, sorry, Suarez said something, didn't he? Like he gave us all for the club, and and he, he'll expect to be given a, a good reception. And I think he should. I mean, just because he celebrated last week, that doesn't tarnish what he what he gave to Liverpool for so many years. So can, many. Can people, you understand why why he didn't celebrate like that? Of course, it was Champions League semi final, and, and it was a great bit of predatory attack and play, wasn't it? You know, <clears throat> he's kind of had to develop his game as he's moved into his his thirties, and that's the striker he is now. And he got in ahead of Van Dijk, slid in, made it one nil. And why wouldn't he celebrate? I've got absolutely no problems with that. And I think if he is booed because of that one. Um, one incident last week I think it's a, a real shame because he was such a brilliant player for Liverpool for years many uh, supporters would champion him as the most purely gifted player that Liverpool have ever had um, certainly in my lifetime I'd, I'd go along with that obviously too young to remember Kenny Dalglish in his pomp Steven Gerrard runs him close but um, he, d- he deserves all the all the support in the world from Manfield tonight before kick-off and then once it starts He's just another player. And what, and what about Coutinho? Is, that, is it similar lines or do you think it'll be different because of the manner of that move? Maybe, maybe that'll be slightly different. But again, um, I think Coutinho gave so much to the pool, didn't he, for what was it, five years, 200 appearances. The uh, the issue in the summer where he he had the, had the back injury and he, he didn't play for, uh, you know, he, he handed in the transfer request on the eve of the Premier League season. That was water under the bridge for the pool supporters when he came back into the fold and he gave so much to the first half of that season, um, so I, I don't think don't think he should be singled out for any particular vitriol or anything either. Should, as I say, once the the whistle goes, they're just Barcelona players and Liverpool have to get on with it. Yeah, I was going to say, I think in absolute fairness to what you've just said, like every single time you watch Coutinho and every single time you watch Suarez play for Liverpool, they gave everything for mm. the shirt. They played so well. They lit up Anfield so many times with magical moments, special performances. And as you say, I don't think little things, you know, obviously Suarez wanted to go to Arsenal, but he stayed. Coutinho stayed for that half a season after he channeled transfer request. They both still were pretty committed to Liverpool, you've got to say. And, you know, these... These boys are from South America. They're not Liverpool fans. They didn't grow up around Merseyside. They didn't grow up as Liverpool fans. And, you know, when Barcelona come calling for players like this, it's, it sometimes happens. It's the nature of football. And I think we've got to forgive and forget. And something that I hadn't thought about, Paul, until Jordan Henderson pointed it out uh, this morning. Obviously, you know, he was kind of saying Liverpool sold Suarez, they sold Coutinho, and, and still look, you know, top, well, until last night, top of the Premier League on 97 points in the Champions League semi final. It kind of shows the progress that is still made despite losing arguably the best players at that time. Do you think that's a testament to Jürgen Klopp and, and, and what he's achieved at Liverpool? Oh, 100%. You look at players like when Fernando Torres left, it was a big shock to the system for Liverpool. Obviously, Suarez came in on, on virtually the same weekend, but they had to rebuild again. And it was the same when Suarez left, wasn't it? It was even worse when he left. Liverpool fell off a cliff under Brendan Rodgers in, in that season when they'd gone from having Suarez and Sturridge up front to... Um, Lambert, Barini and, and, and Balotelli so I think it, when Coutinho left it wasn't as, as big a, a shock as Liverpool still had Mohamed Salah and, and Sadio Mane and they basically reinvested that money to, to bring in Van Dijk and Alisson and completely shore up what had been an Achilles heel for, for so long for Liverpool and um, that I suppose would be Coutinho's legacy those, those two players Connor, same thoughts for you yeah, absolutely. And just on what Henderson said in his programme notes, the Liverpool haven't really, they're not a selling club anymore. They're actually a destination where players are going to want to come and play football. Mm. You destination know, club? They're exactly club a destination club. They are, <laughs> you know, challenging for the Premier League. They're challenging for the Champions League. And players' careers are short at the end of the day. Players in their peak, players in their, 
you know, 24, 25, you know, when they're playing at their absolute best football, Man United are coming in, say, with an offer in the summer. And they're going to go, oh, we maybe we'll get in the Champions League next season. We'll have a rebuilding programme. Well, if everyone goes to them, come and play for us. We're going to be challenged for the Premier League this season. We're going to be in the Champions League group stage next season, guaranteed. Be playing top-class football. It's a really attractive offer and it's a really attractive club. And yes, yeah, so I think that's a massive change for Liverpool. It's really good. And obviously with, with, with this Barcelona game tonight, it's, it's easy to forget, you know, Newcastle, that win was only two or three days ago. Paul, talk me through your celebrations when big Divock popped up and scored on Edda. <laughs> It was, it was just such a it was a weird game in terms of you look at Liverpool went ahead twice and, and Newcastle to be fair and really responded didn't he and, and they responded to the, the crowd who were well off for the game and Liverpool were just once again forced to dig deep you look at the the last eight Premier League games in four of them Liverpool have had to come up with a response and you think of Burnley Fulham uh, Tottenham and obviously Newcastle so the the character can't be questioned of Liverpool uh, this season. I think it's been one of their one of their big strengths. Um, whereas last season was free flowing football and all the goals scored by Mane, Salah, and Firmino. This season's been a little bit different. It's been built on steadier foundations, and um, they've proven so often that they've got the stomach for the fight this season. Whereas um, Manchester City haven't been un- put under that much pressure. They they've really had to respond. Um, I think that's been a big difference, um, and Liverpool will be forced to. Dig deep again tonight, won't he? Joe Rimmer had a little celebration in the office, Connor. He jumped out of his seat and gave it the little little fist pump. Did you have a, a similar reaction? I can imagine every single Liverpool fan around <laughs> the world lost their mind at that point, to be honest. It was, you know, it looked to be at a stage in the game where it looked like Liverpool were going to draw, to be perfectly honest with you. Things weren't quite going right. It looked a bit, for the first time in, in a long time, I thought Liverpool looked a little bit like they were a bit desperate to score. But yeah, up, Pox, dig, Divock, and. Uh, <laughs> The rest is history, as they say. What what late Divock goal do you think was meant more this season? That one or Evan? Because of the the, the period of the season, you'd have to say the Newcastle one. Um, the Everton goal was the nature was, of it, in front of yeah. the cop ninety six. Yeah, and I mean that, that that was fantastic in terms of you know you, you couldn't have asked for a a more pitchy book finale and a, a way to kind of rub Everton's fans' noses in if if you're a big Liverpool fan. But I think in terms of what it meant for the season, I think. Origi kept Liverpool on course, didn't he? And he's basically kept them heading into the final day of the season with still a chance to win the Premier League. So to finally touch on tonight, I mean, usually we'd finish something like this on on score predictions. How do you see the game playing out tonight, Connor? I think, as James said, if if Liverpool get the first goal and if Liverpool are 1-0 up going into the second half or even with half an hour to play, I think it's going to be all to play for and I think Anfield will be absolutely going off. I think the key to it is just to stop Barcelona scoring. Um, I'd, it'd help. I realistically and don't personally see Liverpool scoring five against Barcelona if they do find the back of the net. I think it's a really, t- a really tall ask about Salah and Firmino. It's just, it's just realism, isn't it? Really. Yeah. But I think if they can just keep, if they can just take a bit of pressure and score their first goal, you should never know what can happen. I think, I think Liverpool are going to win the game. I just don't know if it's going to be quite enough to see them through. Paul, I think if, if Liverpool played the same way they did last week um, at the Anfield crowd will react to the way they were playing um, I thought second half they played really well against Barcelona really put them on the back foot like teams really do when, when they go to the new camp so I think if they did something similar tonight the crowd will get up it'll be a almighty noise the players will react further to that and who knows what can happen when, when Anfield's like that on a European night whether as Connor says whether that's enough to mean three goals to take it to extra time Whilst keeping Messi, Suarez, Coutinho, and 
them, them bellies out. Isn't he? But keeping those three quiet, it's going to be a tall order. I think if they do it, it'll go down um, just below Istanbul as the the Bulls' greatest ever comeback. Wouldn't wouldn't be the greatest ever comeback against Barcelona. I suppose it was for the Champions League. And just the nature of that Champions League yeah. final was absolutely off the wall, insane. I think and the good teams really... a lot better than, than, yeah. than I think the one that won the Champions League fourteen years ago. To be honest, like aside from negativity and aside from you know may what may or may not come tonight, you can never ever write off this Liverpool team. They've proved that Liverpool proved that throughout their history. You can never write off Anfield. The players, when Barcelona turn up, they all know they're in for a game. And I expect Klopp to have those players absolutely racing out of the blocks. And as Corsi said, if you can put Barcelona on the back foot, they're not used to that. They don't they don't play like that. And, you know, Barcelona got the luxury of resting 11 players. But is that going to be a real, real luxury if they're a bit out of rhythm or a couple of players aren't, you know, quite at match? I don't know. And just hoping. But if there's one thing I've ever learned about Liverpool, it's never, ever to write them <laughs> off and to get excited about every possibility. <laughs> Well, we'll finish on, on that little bit of uh, positivity from Connor and hoping for a big Liverpool comeback at Anfield tonight. Connor, James Pearce and Ian Doyle uh, will be at the ground providing live updates, commentary and build-up uh, this evening. So please do keep on the Liverpool Echo website for all of that and you can rate this podcast on Acast. Thank you very much for joining us. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.